0: Hello and welcome to "Let the Bird Fly" a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio, joined by Jason and Mike uh, at the end of uh, Faculty Development Day. Um, so a long day of learning about our new uh, LMS. Is not that what it's called?
1: Learning Management Something System I think
0: Canvas, um, and so a necessary day. Um, for us to figure it out, but uh, frustrating. Day. But it's been a long day.
1: Uh, the good news today. There was big news today. Wade um, um, displayed for the first time his satchel. Yes, a new I did satchel. get a
0: new uh, messenger bag mm-hmm. um, that fits into the uh, the pannier or panier hmm. um, for my bike better than the, the than the other one
1: did. And, and a meme that you sent. It's not a man purse. It's called a satchel. Yes. Indiana Jones. From the wears hangover. One. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Zach Galifianakis. Yes.
1: yes. Indiana Jones wears one.
0: Yeah. And uh, so I. that worked well. It worked well so far. Although I'm not. I don't know like if the I color. would think like
1: you're between Zach and Indiana Jones. Like you would be the perfect meld. Of well, thank you. Of <laughs> yeah, I like to think so. Yes. Um,
0: all right. So it's been a couple weeks since we've recorded. Uh, grades are all in. They're supposed to be in. I, I'm assuming you guys got them in um, this semester wrapped up. I think it finished okay for all of us. I didn't hear anybody with any big trauma, but um busy end of the semester, we've had uh, we've'll we'll have two high school graduations in the room. We've yeah. had a confirmation. We had prism at Wisco, which is a big thing, a mm. musical performances that michael was able to go um and enjoy we're for, getting to high school playoff baseball yeah, i enjoyed it for Ziggy.
1: all two hours and 45 minutes of it
0: all 33 songs <laughs> wow Yep, that's impressive and so uh it's a marathon <laughs> you're probably hearing jason for the last time in a while jason is going to be going to germany he's yes. leading a, a a tour group and then he's going to be going to Minnesota. Yes. And then he's going to be moving into a new house. He's going to be very careful on the stairs. Yeah. So as not to have a catastrophic injury.
2: Um, I've been warned against that.
0: Yeah. So it's going to be Mike and I for a while. If Mike is going to, I don't know, are you going to Europe or anything? Uh, no. No. You got any big plans? Uh, no. Yeah. I
1: don't. I'm going to try to fix our retaining wall. You know how it's leaning? Yep. You need, you know what they call that? That You need the right batter.
0: Well, that's what I was researching a bit. What I'm nervous about is uh, the top ones, some of them are glued down pretty good. Mm. And so I'm wondering, what do you use to pry those? Because obviously I'm going to have to be able to move them to readjust them because I don't want to have to buy all new stone or brick. Can you take
1: like the two? Is there enough batter from level one to level two that you could take them? Two at a time, and just fix the base, and then...
0: That's a good question. I'll have to look at that. Because especially I've, by the patio, you pointed it out yeah. a couple years ago, yeah. maybe even, and it's just gotten worse. I've mm-hmm. built a few walls.
1: We uh And I'd be more than happy to help you out.
0: Yeah, if you'd like to take a look sometime. We actually also did clean up around the hot tub that we don't know if it works. <clears throat> cleaned out the kayaks, oh. and um, also cleaned out behind the garage. Oof. So um, Nice. You're you rightly, I will say, Michael. You rightly pointed out some problematic aspects of my backyard patio area, and we've addressed
1: them. Yeah.
0: We're making progress.
1: I, I think the uh, five foot weed growing out of the <laughs> kayak was the one I mentioned.
0: <laughs> yeah, and there's no weeds in it now. Noah, yeah. no, uh, I'm not gonna make that joke. <laughs> uh, so uh, we will. We have a couple episode ideas for things coming up, but we will be saying. Uh, Safe travels to, to Jason for a while. Thank you. For the topic for today, the the, the title um, that I have in my head is The Guys Get Catholic. Um, I have been, uh, for the last few months and for the summer, one of my goals is to, uh, to check out a lot of the old, beautiful churches in Milwaukee. Now, there's some Lutheran ones, but if you're in Milwaukee and if you're in Milwaukee on the south side like this guy is... Mm-hmm. Which was poles for the most part, mm-hmm. um, and really, I know you do a tour to Saint Joseph's with your class. Right around there is a cluster of five or six, yeah. really, you, that you should and see. And there's
1: some historically significant, <coughs> not just for the United States but for the world, which is not usual for uh, places of worship in the United States. Right. Mm. Yep. Yeah. And so, uh, and a lot of different
0: masses to see, really. Um, You've got St. Stan's with the Tridentine Mass, Um, uh, St. Josephat's, which is uh, sometimes ad orientum. Um, Work in some Latin, but it's Novus Ordo. Um, St. Anthony's has a mix of English and Spanish in the same mass. Um, St. Michael's with, um, I think, a large Hmong community or, um, or maybe some Burmese as well. Um so a lot of interesting things to see may as it, far as
1: May I suggest one thing for it not to interrupt yeah. but uh the the Orthodox community has a Coptic church um on Drexel and Oak Creek huh. and then the one that's in on uh, on the north side is uh Frank Lloyd Wright. Yes, yeah, this yeah. is on my list, yeah. So that's uh, one of those
2: like it's pretty rare. So anyway,
0: if you ever yeah. want to go to one let
2: me know. Yeah, uh, we should expand. i happy to um, I would I would be very interested in going to the Frank Lloyd Wright one. I drove by that the other day, and I didn't I did not realize I knew that he had done one. I did not realize that it was in Milwaukee. Yeah, he's quite a few uh, quite a few um, architectural gems from Frank Lloyd Wright
1: in Milwaukee. Uh, don't tell Jason when we're going. Yeah, I, we'll go when he's in Germany. Oh, you can go an Orthodox church in Germany. Yeah. Um, I don't want to go to a three hour Greek Orthodox mass though.
2: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> Although you can walk in and out, like yes, you can. however you want, like Saint Sava's, I've checked out, and like most people, they just walk in and out. Yeah. They come in, they kiss some stuff, mm-hmm. they do a little like rocking. Yeah, yeah and, I didn't even think
1: of that in no your name. neighborhood
0: too. And then they're out of there.
1: Yeah. Um, Which is a part of their pi- worship piety.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, so I've been to a lot of masses because um, I kind of like to go to see the space as it's being used. I mean that's part of. Understanding the architecture, and I will say this would be an interesting episode sometime the The space often really shapes how a mass is set in some very interesting ways mm-hmm. um whether it be a weekday mass, which is a lot of what I've been going to because that's when you can kind of get in and there's a smaller crowd and <clears throat> and walk around and see things um or the uh you know the high mass on a Saturday or sunday but um it, it it's it's just uh got me kind of. Remembering kind of growing up and I would say I went to definitely a, a Novus Ordo and like a, a church that wasn't like polka mass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was built in the 50s and I would say it was a, a nice space. It was a respectful space. But it wasn't like some of these churches <clears throat> that are just amazing what these immigrants built. Um But it also wasn't like some of the like in the round monstrosities, mm-hmm. you know, that came out of Vatican II, In yep. the rounds not always bad, but some of them,
1: unless you have like a unique architect, a talented architect, and a lot of money, it can go south pretty quickly. Yeah,
0: um, but as you go and and you see the art and and um, the architecture, there's a lot of good reminders that um, of the catholicity of the of the church, <clears throat> and that the Catholicity of the church is not the same thing as Roman Catholic. Um, and here, the Eastern Orthodox would agree with Protestants as well. Um, and, uh, and so that term Catholic is a, a term that a lot of people in Lutheranism get nervous about, but it's a creedal term. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, usually people will use it with a small c to make it less threatening. <coughs> but the fact is, Um, that the Lutheran confessors, when they're writing the confessions, and the Reformers um, saw themselves as being truly Catholic. In fact, the Augsburg Confession is meant to be a very Catholic statement of the faith, small c, Catholic. Now, if that makes you nervous, that's what we're going to be talking about later as we get to it. And we'll define those words. Yeah, what do we mean by that, and why should Lutherans be good Catholics if they want
1: to be good Lutherans?
0: And right, we'll explain what we mean by that as we as we go.
1: And and it, it's this is more than just a uh, theological curiosity. Mm-hmm. This actually gets played out in 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 a lot of different ways. Right. Um. And so part of what we'll be talking about probably
0: is avoiding the pitfalls of parochialism. Mm. Um. As we go, but with that in mind. Uh, We'll kind of remind you. We are part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. encourage you to check that out. Go to 1517.org. Lots of good materials there. Check out the 1517 Publishing House, New Reformation Publications. Um, Mike's got a book. He'll have one coming up. I've got some books. Um, There's academy courses, if you're interested, that are free that you can take. Um, Lots of stuff to check out. And uh, and so please do. Um, We're very thankful. We have new equipment that Ben and Peter still need to teach us how to use. um, That we're very excited. The one has sound effects, and I just I need to have this happen. Um, But lest we go too long with the intro, which we already have. uh, Jason,
2: why don't you go ahead and give us our disclaimer. This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time, it probably doesn't speak for us. We'll be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way.
0: And that brings us to our free-for-all. And our topic for our free-for-all is going to be um, things we kind of get a kick out of people saying are Catholic, like Roman Catholic, that are actually uh, very Lutheran, right? That um, kind of especially in the American experience of the church as uh, some of our fathers and and mothers in the faith made their way over and, you know, the Baptists and the Methodists said, that's Catholic what you're doing, whatever else. And you know, well, we don't want to be Catholic, and 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 some of these things that fell by the wayside, um, but things that people think is, uh, capital C Catholic, Roman Catholic, that's actually pretty darn Lutheran. I um, mean, I've done a lot of talking already, so we can kind of go around the table or jump in as we have it. But Mike, do you have one that you'd like to start us with?
1: Um, yeah, I would. I would probably start with the sign of the cross, that's right? A good one. Um. And and a lot of this, of course, is a part of our uh, Roman Catholic prejudice, of that 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 has been with the American uh, culture from the very beginning. Which you can understand when you're breaking away from the European uh, monarchy or whatever it the is. Old country. You um are you you often put together the church and um the the political powers together. Mm-hmm. Which you can't blame them for because they were often uh very 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 hard to separate in daily life. Yeah. whether it be a state church in, in like Sweden or whether it be uh the French crown and the French church and how that's all mixed up. Um and and some of the, the first immigrants who were um uh going to be uh discriminated against tended to be Roman Catholic, right? So to be American was very often uh, to be not a part of a monarchical system, but also not part of an old European religious system, right? So an established the, yeah, church. The yeah. Anglican church is going to become the Episcopal church, right? <laughs> That's That kind of stuff. Yep. So um, unfortunately, uh, a lot of things. Uh, the baby gets thrown out with the with the bathwater which is what you're you're after here and it doesn't take very long when you add that that prejudice tied to your patriotism and um a lack of understanding of your heritage for people to fall into the trap of what you're saying and that is oh that's catholic and not and not truly christian and people will still talk about this they'll say um Catholic does not equal Christian, right? Um, completely misunderstanding what yeah. the, what the church is, um, which is so ironic. I don't think we even need to <laughs> no. to mention yeah. that because that's part of the reason why the Reformation um, broke the the Reformation churches broke away in the church. So spe- specifically for Lutherans um, in the Catechism, so we're talking small Catechism, the daily prayers that Luther offers up there. So you're talking not this is not this is not the uh, epitome of the, or the the solid deck. This is not <laughs> obscure stuff. This is stuff that would have been readily available to even the most basic of of Lutheran um, Uh Luther made a point to say, make the sign of the cross in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then say the morning prayer after prayer. He's not saying you have to do it, but if there he's was going, Synod that I took mean, that out though, and then and then publishers actually took it out, which I think right. is. Kind of dishonest, and like then that Senate,
0: I think, thankfully put it back in. Yeah, yeah. But.
1: I mean, that's multiple sentence right? it's, yeah. it's kind of dishonest a little bit. I, you know, if you don't want to be about that, that's fine. But just think about Luther's. Luther's not writing like a four hundred page manual or a new uh rule of Benedict. This is like he's only like offering a few prayers and that fact that you put that in there it's a connection to baptism well once you don't have it in there you don't teach it anymore and then it becomes oh that's had to just to make room for charts yeah <laughs> that's just that's just superstitious roman catholic medieval notice the, the modernity in in it too we've progressed beyond this superstitious medieval past and it's it's such a sad thing we're not saying you have to do it but when you get in the habit of doing it that physical action and a physical reminder of what Christ did, that you bear a cross and that you're baptized into his death, really is kind of a comforting, beautiful thing. Yeah. And and so if you're going to say no to it, that's fine, but you better have a correct reason. And the correct reason that it's Roman Catholic and Lutherans got rid of it is just, just not yeah. historically well, accurate. And the
0: funny thing, too, is it's like chant, which I would throw in as one that um, sometimes gets called Catholic, although... <laughs> Luther is the one who really encourages chant in the divine service, and especially certain tones that even match Mm -hmm. up with each other, in that um, the new hymnals is introduced this morning, which is nice. But you probably have some who think, oh, yeah, we don't chant. That's Roman Catholic. But the thing is, we do chant, and we do have the sign of the cross. It's just the pastor does the sign of the cross in the service. I guarantee almost every Wells Church Mm-hmm. the pastor's up there and he mm-hmm. right he he signs the people but the people just don't do it and then with chant oddly the congregation was doing it but not mm-hmm. the pastor so he'd say the lord be with you and the congregation would sing and them. also right yeah. that's chant right,
1: right. <clears throat> um or the psalms right
0: yeah I so think- we kept it in odd ways um but both both can be pointless and superstitious if they're If someone were to think, oh, chanting it makes the word more powerful, no. Um, But both can often also be very powerful um, pedagogically, uh, formatively, um, when used properly to draw um, attention to the saving word and works of of God. Yeah.
2: I think uh, just to build off the... Um, chant and, and I was gonna say, I was gonna that was one that I was kind of thinking about, but I was gonna say more so singing the psalms, but I think it was more the connection of chant and when the ninety three Christian worship came out, that was one of the biggest complaints that you know and uh, I <clears throat> was just a youth in the um, our church at the time, but um, the singing of the psalms was one that that people really. Reacted to, and for that reason, that all this just seems seems so Catholic, and I think that. um, But you know, it's ironic in both ways, in in a sense that, I mean, Luther used the Psalms as basis for a number of hymns, right? Um, And then actually, you know, in many ways, more the um, the reform that really picked up on psalmody as the the, the um, only way you could that's the it's only for some yes. of them yeah yep. metrical songs. i i had
1: an organist who's now in, in heaven who refused to play the psalms mostly because she i think she just didn't want to do it but mm-hmm. she said they were meant to be spoken yeah and i said <laughs> actually <laughs> they were meant to be sung and yep. chanted. yeah um so it it that that's just one of those things like he we don't want to change but what we mean is we don't want to change what we did right, right? uh there is many things that have been changed throughout the the history of the church including the Lutheran church and people think that it's always been that forever because that's what they remember when they were 10 mm-hmm. and uh, I can remember saying one, one guy was really angry at me and our church was 125 years old and he said we've been doing it for 125 and I said I I see your 125 and raise you 1500. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, like yeah, right. So yeah. they were
2: wrong for it's just well,
0: and it's uh, ridiculous. often it's not even 125 if you go back and read the oh, old. Oh yeah, sure. Old notes, Jason, you got one.
2: I do. Yeah. Um, the other one that I was thinking, the one that I had th- personally the most reaction against, um, serving, um, in parish ministry was ashes on Ash Wednesday, mm-hmm. which. Um, we did a couple other things and there are some, some other practices or, or things that I was really expecting a big, this is Catholic pushback on, um, that didn't really come, but, uh, the ashes on Ash Wednesday was, was yeah. one. And I think that's, uh, but in like doing some research on that and, you know, as we were working at educating the congregation, cause it, it took, uh, probably a year I think it was maybe two or three years before, from when we started talking about it to actually implementing it, like how you know broad a practice that is it's just that you know Roman Catholicism gets all the yeah. press with that one.
0: I'm gonna throw one out. I got a few, but um, oh. vestments. Well,
2: mm.
1: Any kind of vestments. And yeah. I think
0: that that's changed a lot in synod too. But well, um
1: and there's a historic. Just to interrupt, like so that when the group that started what we now know as the Missouri Synod came over, they came over in two boats and I think one of the boats that had a lot of their vestments and stuff sank. Hmm. And I wonder if that changes if they had those rather than, you know, they had that stuff ready and then it probably wasn't a priority to replace those. The ability to replace those. You just wonder if those, one of those little quirks of history that if it would have gone a different way could have changed quite a bit of quite a bit of um our our own history sorry
0: no it's um no i think um that makes sense and the uh just in in general um we i think we've gotten better um of not just the kind of black geneva robe which was kind of the academic gown not really a worship vestment in its intention although in the Landeskirchen, I mean, in the territorial churches in Germany, it's not uncommon to see now kind of the Geneva with the Bevchen or Befken. the, the mm. bands uh, or something else. But um, I would say we've seen improvement with it. Um, but it's it would be an area that it would be fun to see more catechesis with too, just to explain the meaning of the different things and and why the pastor fests. Um But another big one I would throw out is the crucifix. Yeah, crucifix.
1: Mm. Yeah, if Jesus dying on the cross is Catholic, well, <laughs> um, the uh, eternal light, oh, that's my <laughs> one. um a Paschal candle. Yep, um, all of those things. I mean, you could, we could be
2: here all day. The the we did when we got a processional cross, we got a corpus on the the cross, and that was one where I was expecting a fair amount of pushback, and you know, this is Catholic, and really didn't hear a peep about it on that one, and um, as kind of glad of that oh. but i mean we did a did a bit of um education leading into that too just so that you say no it's not really that's not really how it is but but yeah um
0: yeah i think we've hit a fair amount and we could go quite a while mm-hmm. um but rather than stretching out we'll leave some we get to our main topic so we will leave off there and pick up with our main topic us to our main topic which is uh how to be a good lutheran by being a good catholic and uh
1: and the best lutherans are ex-catholics <laughs> often well, they're not often is the case
0: they've become more fully Catholic. ex-roman catholic <laughs> yeah <laughs> and maybe we can start there um you may notice um if you've listened to the podcast a lot or even read our writing i believe you do this too mike is i uh when i talk about Catholicism, I almost always try to have that Roman in there, Roman Catholicism, Roman Catholic, because I really hate to kind of um, surrender that word. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we are talking about Catholicity um, in the context of this episode, we are not talking about Roman Catholic. In fact, um, Roman Catholicism is a bit of an oxymoron because the word Catholicity itself Um, to pin it to one place or one person um, kind of runs counter to what it it means. And I joked earlier that this is a case where the Eastern Orthodox and Protestants who make claims to Catholicity could agree somewhat, right, that um, the church Catholic is bigger than the Roman Catholic Church. So maybe if we could start with, um, and I'll throw it to whichever of you wants to pick up with it, the roots of that word, what what the what was meant by that term Catholic for the early part of the church history um, and why it's a good word for we as Lutherans to want to claim still today.
1: Maybe I'll just do a little history and then you can maybe get into sure. the definitions that uh, the words hanging around there, but really after the great schism between East and west, you see, the West identify itself as Catholic and the East identify itself as Orthodox. Orthodox meaning right praise and um, um, being correct, right? Ortho, orthodontist, correct, you know, straight teeth, straight, uh, uh, straight doctrine and straight praise. And um, But we're Orthodox is a broader thing than <laughs> just Eastern Orthodox. Mm-hmm. In a similar way, Catholic is a broader thing than just Catholic. So there's an historic... There's an historic reason why the Western Church held on to that to that word, and the East held on to to, to their word. Uh, that was a
2: demarcation in a certain sense, but they're both good words. Yeah, yeah and uh, the word itself um, goes all the way back to Greek language, Greek prepositional phrase. Really, that means throughout the whole thing, right? Throughout the whole world, and. <coughs> And so when you're talking about a church that is Catholic, using it as a adjective that way, it really means the church. The, the church that's the Christian church that is present anywhere, that is anything that you would call a Christian church, um, fits this definition of the Catholic uh, the the description or this this adjective describes that right if it's a true Christian church um, it's wherever that is there's one one church right um, we confess that yep yeah. that we confess and it's just whatever denomination or whatever that that might be that if that is you know part of the true saving church you'd say the one Catholic Church is there because it is confessing, Christ and and there are true believers there and it is present throughout the world wherever those true believing Christians are.
0: Yeah and so those who believe that faith um, the the core of that faith right the gospel um, is universal or Catholic in the sense that it is across geography and across time Mm -hmm. right Um, that back to the time of the apostles um, and now across geography as well today
2: well and you could maybe make the case even that it stretches back before the time of the apostles really yeah and Um, and crosses crosses death too
0: right and so when we say in the creed one holy christian and apostolic church um the reason at least as i've heard it explained that our hymnals have retained that is that in the the churches through which um Missouri Synod Wells, um, very Germanic in their background as far as their founding, and the German Christliche, right would often be used for Catholic interchangeably, <laughs> and so that comes over into one Holy Christian and Apostolic Church. I think the LSB maybe has foot like a footnote Catholic now, mm-hmm. or do they have just Catholic? Do you remember?
1: <laughs> I'm not sure off the top of my head, but I know off I think there was a sometime. footnote in. Yeah, maybe even LW too. I'm not sure.
0: Um, and so, the, what um, is being confessed there is the one in the holy is that the aspect that's being emphasized.
2: And so, and maybe just yep. to, you know, to there that in that that word Catholic was there originally, right? That mm-hmm. that you know, that is the, yes yes that that if you go back to the earliest versions of the creed you'll find the word catholic. Yeah. But it is again pointing to what you're saying, you know, it's the the one the christian, you know, the holy church wherever you find it, right?
0: And these are in the creeds that we call ecumenical, which is emphasizes the idea of ecumenical as emphasizing ecumenical ecumenical kind of gets a bad rap as a word now because of the ecumenical movement of the 20th century that was not very good at being doctrinal. Right, it was more overlooking differences than yeah. ecumenical in, in their, their own, own way, yeah. rather
1: than a Catholic ecumenical way, which would say this is what the church has always taught. Right,
0: real ecumenicity is to say this is the accepted teaching yeah. of the church, and so the Lutheran confessions, right, will accept and acknowledge um, the apostles, the Nicene and the Athanasian creeds, as being true creeds and proper expressions of the Christian faith. Um, that's also getting at the idea of this is universal. This is the teaching of all the church. And so um, there have been divisions in the church since the beginning. Um, There have been divisions between Eastern Orthodoxy and Roman Catholicism. There have been divisions within Eastern Orthodoxy. You can have patriarchates that are not getting along. Most famously, there's been divisions within the, the Catholic Church of the West with the Protestant Reformation um really better said the protestant reformations Mm -hmm. um and now you have everyone and their brother can start their own church anytime they get mad about what was served at the potluck or if their kid (laughs) got disciplined uh (coughs) for you know living together outside marriage or whatever else you can have the fourth church of main street um you name it whatever um and there must be some division in the church. Jesus himself says there must be divisions among you to prove that which is true. And yet at the same time, um, while we, we rightly want to be um, in fellowship with those who properly confess and practice the faith as we hold it to be biblically, um, to be confessed and practiced, there can come with that a danger of parochialism. Um, That fails to see um, the church still, um, while there might be necessary divisions as being bigger than any one denomination, but also the church um, existing prior as well. Um, And so, for instance, uh, you know, one could argue, well, why read St. Augustine? He wasn't Lutheran. And um and there are he wasn't, there was no Lutheranism. He certainly wasn't even a Wisconsin ascended Lutheran. Uh and yet St. Augustine is not just a, a doctor of the Roman Catholic Church, he is uh our our you know probably the most famous reformer, Luther, came to the Reformation in part as a student of Augustine, right? <clears throat> um and so we can, we can um, sometimes lose sight of is when Paul talks about that he rejoices when Christ is preached, right? Even if someone doesn't have it perfectly down, still rejoice that the, the name of Christ is preached. Um, and we can maybe miss out on the richness of the church uh, for taking such an approach. <clears throat> Roman Catholicism can be, is huge but can become just as parochial, Right. um, and there are Roman Catholics who are very good at saying there are things we can learn from the Protestants uh for instance uh <coughs> at Trent and beyond the re-emphasis on preaching um uh biblical scholarship, you know, really digging into the text um they could maybe get some better hymns <laughs> uh, some Catholic hymns are just atrocious, right it uh
2: yeah, you very- just
0: wonder what's going on there. Um, but uh, this can be a temptation to every church of every age. And so when, when the sometimes called the birthday of the Lutheran Church, the presentation of the Augsburg Confession, what the Augsburg Con- Confession really intentionally tries to do is not to narrow and say our churches and now to um, kind of hunker down uh, but rather to embrace all that is biblical and best. And they really start by affirming what's taught in the ecumenical creeds um, and then try to uh, affirm what can be affirmed in practice that has been received, but then into where abuses have crept in that should be dealt with. Um, but it really what is seeking to be a, a Catholic confession in the in perhaps the best sense of the, of the term. Um, I believe even Ratzinger praised it for this at one point, who became Pope Benedict, um, and that spirit, I would say, was a healthy spirit for Lutheranism, and is maybe a good one for us to seek to maintain and recover. And I think we've seen it in some good ways mm-hmm. um, in our worship life. Yep. Um, and in some other things, uh, um, that uh, that that catholicity um, can bring some vigor. Uh, otherwise, you're you're just running on your own your own juices, right? Yep. And, and, and
1: uh, then it becomes a self or you fulfill the prophecy of the Roman Catholics of the Reformation age, who said, "Well, you're just going to have everybody's going to be their own pope, and everybody's mm-hmm. going to be their own church."
2: Right? Yeah.
1: I'll throw it to yeah. you guys for any thoughts you have now.
2: I think the you know Augustana goes really almost out of its way to identify with the Church Catholic, right? You you don't have. They did not have to quote Ambrose, right? Yep. And and not only not only in saying we teach this, just like the Church has always taught, but to go on the other side of that and say, and we also condemn these false teachings um, that the Church has you know, condemned for centuries Um, to, to make, again, to make that case um, that, you know, we are standing with, you know, believers who have gone before, you know, back to the time of the apostles. Um, And I think the other thing that, you know, I wanted to mention just based on what you're talking is um, I think the Catholicity part of some of the positive developments in the spirit that we see, uh, I think in the use of, hymnody in worship and, and say, you know, and you kind of said, well, maybe Catholics could do a little better on some of that, Uh, excuse me, Roman Romanists, Roman Catholics could do a little better than that. Um, but I mean, if you flip through, um, a Lutheran hymnal, you're going to find hymns from, you know, uh, a thousand years ago, 1500 years ago, um, as well as ones that are written 15 years ago. You're going to find some that come from America and you're going to find some that come from Germany and you're going to find some that come from Italy or that come from Africa or that come from, I mean, you're, you're, you're finding, you know, um, represented around the world and as well as represented through the ages, um, to say that, you know, there's all of these Christians, you know, have a voice that, you know, are worth hearing and worth joining together with in these in this um, aspect of our worship. And I think that's, that's maybe a good example of that um, Catholic spirit um, in worship practices.
0: Well, and maybe to throw to Mike, to build on that a bit too, we, we sometimes hear even from people who should clearly know better and are ordained um, when something comes up about the liturgy of it, you know, Oh, it's just this old stodgy German thing. (laughs) There's, there's very little about the liturgy that is German, mm-hmm. right? Um, maybe, uh, Mike, if you want to hit briefly on the, um, the Catholicity of the Western Rite.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can, you're not going to find much in that rite that's not found directly from the Bible. If anything, it's Jewish, right? It follows the Jewish synagogue and Passover uh, pattern, um, sometimes almost to a T. And... Um, you know, just kind of a larger question, and this is a generation that's um, getting older right now. Um, I just had a pastor friend said, "You know, our uh, praise band—we uh, don't have a praise band anymore. They retired <laughs> the contemporary, the contemporary praise band retired. They—they um, they will say things like." Okay, you know, you're not be- what they what they mean is you're not being universal. You are being parochial by right. sticking to the liturgy. Now, to be fair, uh, the liturgy often was done without any feeling, without any thought, certainly without any teaching. And that always very well anchored yeah. in the traditional
0: western yeah. rite.
2: And it was yeah. it was just going through the motions. It was dead. And, and maybe and also very little variety in, yep. in a positive sense.
1: Yep. You're not, you don't, for a long time, you didn't put money into, uh, uh art and music in the church. I mean, right. y- y- you reap what you sow, right? Um, but they, but they want to say, we want to be open-minded, universal, tolerant, welcoming, just, you can, we can pile on the terms here. But what they really mean is actually a very White, Anglo-Saxon, Western, capitalist, middle class, five. Suburban. And they're completely blinded to that. And, um, and so the, the word Catholic, it's, as I said, it's not just a, a theological um, curiosity for us, and, and we look at the etymology and the history of it, <laughs> but it really is a bit of an attitude. And the attitude is this is that there is one church. And um to be truly open minded and, and is to say there are things from Roman Catholicism that they they do they they have a better understanding of ethics and natural law. We may not agree with all of that, but they've thought about it a heck of a lot more than us. The evangelical, which is a whole nother word, right, that we could do a thing on this <laughs> that excuse me, that that I think um is is Lutheran to the core, but means something different now, right? Um, I can learn all sorts of things from 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 them. Um, I think have done uh, a lot of groundbreaking work when it when it comes to um, textual stuff, archaeological, being interested in those kinds of things. Um, a lot of practical things. I mean, you don't. I, you know, there's something wrong with the church growth model of the eighties and nineties that we, we, we understand, but you know, maybe you should have a, you know, a little bit more welcoming spirit. (laughs) Maybe you should have a handicap. You know, some of this stuff is they're thinking outreach when we weren't always thinking outreach and, and we give credit to them, but that's the beautiful thing that this is one church. (laughs) Right. And so, um, that, that whole, like, Oh, you like Luther or Luther, that's you're being parochial. Go. No, it's the exact opposite. What Lutheranism is trying to do, at least, at least, if if someone thinks about it, is trying to maintain this anchor in the church, and to say, um, we are trying to say what the church has always said. And I really like that you said uh, they went way out of their way; Mm. they did not have to do this, right? Right. And so sometimes, when it back to worship, sometimes we'll read Luther and say. Um, well, Luther made these concessions um, because he didn't want to disturb the peace and, and he was being patient with these people. And that's true, and he did say say things like that. But he did not mean, oh, we are going to progress to a certain place and we are just got to go slow for these idiots. Um, he was thinking pastorally for everybody, like there's some good things here right. that we do not want to throw out. Uh
0: there's a number of times where the reformers will say stuff like you know we would gladly submit to the papacy if only he would allow the preaching of the gospel. Yeah. And now they're 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 saying that and there's some hyperbole in mm-hmm. that because they have raised other issues in sure. practice. But the the thrust of it is still true that like we're not looking to throw everything out. We actually we, we just want yeah. the gospel.
1: And, and this doesn't just play out in worship. Uh, I, we go on for hours about that. But I, it gets played out in our teaching for sure as we look to a class and, and we have people from all sorts of different denominations and, and even religions is to say, I'm not trying to make you Lutheran, nor am I trying to say that Lutheranism is better. Whatever. I'm saying this is what the church always taught. This is what the Bible taught. This is what has been handed down to us from generation to generation we did not leave the Roman Catholic Church. They kicked us out, right? So when somebody... I f- left it, though. Yeah, you did. <laughs> uh, when some people are... They would have kicked you out eventually, though. I don't think they technically Actually, have though. price probably anymore. still on the books. Because yeah. um, I've never, like, written a letter or anything. <laughs> um, so...
0: I mean, they've been letting me take communion and all yeah. these masses.
1: <laughs> You're ordained as a priest, I'm pretty yeah. sure, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when somebody, I, didn't com- know, I wasn't going to tell Jason. <laughs> when somebody comes from that, uh, let's just say, more evangelical uh, mindset, an American evangelical mindset or whatever, and, and says deeds not creeds, and let's let's not be parochial or whatever. Um, what they really mean is we want to be kind of generic Protestant. And we really don't want any kind of Roman Catholic, Lutheran, kind of Episcopalian mm-hmm. kind of stuff. We don't want to be called
0: out of ourselves in our life context.
1: And so it's the exact opposite of what they're trying to do. Right. They are actually being divisive. And so when you think about like diversity, um, the diversity of worship in the Christian church, which you, you talked about mm-hmm. in hymnody... Um, there's nothing more bringing people together than the Western right and make that point over and over and over again. Like if you just throw it all out in the name of diversity to do your own little thing, which is about as middle-class American as you possibly can get, you need at quite frankly, you need to read the room, but also you, you haven't. And, and it's our failure. We'd never taught this kind of stuff. Um, So I think it also helps in uh, 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 evangelism and apologetics, too. We're not trying to make you Lutheran. We're not trying to argue into... We could care less about the numbers of Lutherans in heaven. We care about the numbers of people in heaven. And um, we're trying to preach the gospel here.
0: And the arguments we're making, if we're making good apologetical arguments it's not our arguments that are narrow-minded and tied to our times and cultural experience if we're making truly catholic in the best sense arguments it's the arguments that are being made against the faith that definitely are rooted in presuppositions and experiences and assumptions of a certain day age place
1: yeah I, I, that they're the ones being parochial, if you want, right. to, if you want to use that word. And I, I think that when we say Lutheranism, and I say this in class very often, I say, when I say Lutheranism, read the classical, authentic church, good, bad, and ugly, the whole deal, but this direct line to the apostles' testimony to Jesus Christ. And trying not to go too much to this side or that side, and this is a perfect uh opportunity then to speak about the narrow lutheran middle road right. and you know you're not going to get rid of here's one more thing and then i'll, I'll be quiet um i get really and, and i'm guilty of this too but i get a little irritated when when we ha- when people have self-hatred of lutheranism or of a specific Synod. now it's good for us to criticize ourselves and we definitely have been parochial and are parochial in unnecessary ways um but I want to say to people, every group's weird. Mm-hmm. You don't think the VFW Hall or the Democratic Party of Waukesha County or the Republican Party of Milwaukee County or the, your office, your whatever. Your friend group. They're not weird. They don't have their, they don't have their, their own chat. language and their own uh, uh, attitude that comes off as um, exclusive or whatever. Every group is weird right so you're not going to change that i think you should be aware of it but to kind of be s- that little self-hatred which really is self-justifying and self-righteous because i'm better than the group and we're all guilty of this and th- it's good to point out these things but if you're truly going to be okay we're going to be ecumenical in the right way if we're going to be open-minded in the correct way under the you know under the authority of scripture right um Well, you're being Catholic. Mm -hmm. And the people that tend to either go for like a a left-leaning, like just get rid of the doctrine, and then everything will be great. If we don't believe in anything, then everybody can be included is illogical. And the group that says, well, a more tends to be politically right-leaning, although not necessarily, if we just get rid of the culture, right? This is why I'm talking about that every group's weird. If we just get rid of the culture, then all of a sudden, Jesus will be palatable to people and we'll have... All these people come in. Both of those are illogical, both of those are not Christological, both of those don't heed the warnings of Christ and the and the church. And they're not really they're they're you're you're being your own little weird group. Right. You're doing exactly what you hate.
0: And it gets to be like the person who and we could pick any side of whatever, but like I only get my news from Fox News because you know, you can't trust whatever. Well, then I only get my news from Newsmax. Yeah. Now I only get it through <laughs> One America News. And now I only get it through <clears throat> Daily Wire. And now I only get it through whatever new thing gets made up. Well, the church can become the same thing. And this is not to say, like, if I had a student who doesn't really know the gospel um, and, you know, they really want to learn about the, the gospel in the church, I'm probably not going to be like, read St. John of the Cross. Because you got to work pretty hard to get some gems from St. John of the Cross as a Lutheran. (laughs) Um, But there's some things, if you read critically, you can go, okay, that's useful. I'm going to say, let's look at the small catechism in John's Gospel, right? But um, there is a time when a Lutheran pastor should read St. John of the Cross or Bernard of Clairvaux or, you know, pick someone um, and be able to do so critically. I sometimes get a, a kick out of when we will have um, a nervousness about our pastors who went through, you might have heard, the best worker training system in the world, (laughs) Uh, reading something, you know, not from MPH, um, and a nervousness that they can't
1: handle it. Our publishing house of our Right,
0: when Luther critically read canonical books (laughs) of Scripture and is like, yeah, James, I mean... (laughs) I'd like to take it out, and <laughs> I really question if it fits. <clears throat> um, and and Luther and and especially the Lutherans who follow him, and as someone who does a lot of Flacius stuff. Um, or what did we agree to say, Flacius? It sounded like classic You said
1: Flacius. I say Flacius because you.
0: And you're gonna say Flacius. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um,
2: like I'm obligated now to say mm-hmm. Flacius. Just okay. do it, Jason. <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> um, but um, they really just. For what was available to them, they, they plow through the fathers of the, the Middle Ages and the ancient church and pull out these testimonies um, to the gospel and to the doctrine of justification <clears throat> and, and saying there's some things I'd leave behind. And, and Luther says of even of his own works, but they shouldn't be publishing all of these, and I don't want everybody reading all of them. There's certain things. St. Augustine writes his retractions <clears throat> late in life where he goes, Here's some stuff I shouldn't have said. And so I think part of the gift of a Catholicity in the in the true sense, um, is it avoids it takes us out of um, for for all of its talk of being open minded, twenty twenty two America is probably more narrow minded than the Roman Catholic Church of the thirteenth century. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, and more judgmental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um People sometimes uh, don't appreciate the great diversity that exists mm-hmm. still today within the Roman Catholic Church. But the Catholic Church of the Middle Ages, Dominicans, Franciscans, <clears throat> these all had different emphases. Um, part of the way Trent comes up with this Tridentine Mass is to draw upon the rich amount of material there is of these different things that are being done within the Western Rite <clears throat> in various places and saying what's best. Um, when we say the Western right, I, I hope people aren't getting the impression that we just mean one set of words on a page. Um, there's a lot um, in the history of the church to be, to be drawn upon. Um, now, if there's a common structure to it, um, but there's a whole wealth of, of, of treasures. And so in a world that's becoming more narrow, not more open-minded, not only is it becoming smaller with globalism, um, it's becoming more narrow-minded with globalism. <laughs> You're seeing that in autocracies where there's censorship of what you're allowed to speak, um, but you're also seeing that in Western liberal democracies that are really struggling to survive precisely because um, there's so many tribes becoming parochial, um, and there's a level of censorship that even the Inquisition would not have had. <clears throat> now, they're not torturing people right. physically. They're just tormenting them online. Yeah. Um, but uh, and I, let's not get in. I'm not getting way into cancel culture because Christianity has been very good at cancel culture too. Yep. But um, <clears throat> but here with Catholicity too, maybe there's a helpful reminder. It was the Reformed that saw like this big rupture in the church where the Middle Ages is kind of the gospel was just lost. Mm-hmm. And there you have the kind of like the humanists saw the Renaissance as like, oh, everything was just like plague and like dragging Dark, your yeah, knuckles yeah. on the ground yeah. and like, you know, eating like oatmeal.
1: And Luther would say, oh, that the gospel was, but he's speaking – hyperbolically, right. he would still maintain that the truth. Yeah,
0: they, they definitely see it there. And so, um, Flacius writes, or Flacius, or as Jason Flacius. says... Fl- Flacius. right, writes his catalog of true testimonies. John Gerhardt does a bunch of patristic work. Um, on both ends of the formula of Concord, you see this being done. And this is where, too, I think Lutheranism does itself a disservice when it doesn't appreciate its Catholicity. Because one of the things you hear again and again from Roman Catholic apologists or those who... Um, are trying to draw people into Catholicism from Protestantism is, Oh, if you get into church history, that's to be Catholic. I think Mm -hmm. Newman said it. Um, And sometimes I want to be like, bro, (laughs) we invented patristics. (laughs)
2: Like,
0: (laughs) like we got it going now. They are right that for many Protestants in America Mm -hmm. to delve into um, church history. And you, we mentioned this just talking privately before a lot of times that ends up in Eastern Orthodoxy or Roman Catholicism. Um, and uh because and that is
1: thankfully changing quite a bit, right,
0: yeah. but American Protestantism does have a real unrootedness. I mean it's
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's and 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 it's it was cultivated for generations and celebrated this unrootedness. and I
1: would suggest there's a lot of voices that a know that, and B have done a lot of work to change that within the greater evangelical world right. in America and i see
0: I see hope in our young people with this too, because yeah. um, our our young people. To counter all the garbage that's out there, this unrooted garbage, um, which is what our culture is. There's just no mooring, and there never really has been to American culture. Um, Is not more anchorless, unrooted. You know, parochial answers, but but some sort of rootedness. Um, And I think that this is where many of our young people come to appreciate a more um, rooted and rich, for instance, liturgy mm-hmm. than um, something the, devoid of context.
1: The, 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 the liturgy is a fruit of this, right? Appreciating the beauty and and the meaning behind all this is a, is a fruit of being rooted in symbols, in history, in something bigger than myself.
0: Mm-hmm. And Mike and I probably see this in the Luther class um, and I would guess that Jason sees it in, in Genesis. A great strength of um of uh, Lutheranism, although Hans Urs von Balthasar have been into his works lately. He's pretty good on this too, but he's ripping off the Protestants here. Um, But uh, is that the early Lutherans not only cherished church history and reached for examples, and Luther uses figures from church history as examples in sermons, or he loves Aesop's fables, for instance, for the same reason. The Augsburg Confession says we should remember the saints forever, good and bad examples and Peter's both. Um, but uh, they also read the Bible that way. Is that while the Bible is in history, the experiences of these people are never merely historical. There's a continuity. There are experience as well. And so while um, Abraham may not have been Wells, I actually heard he was Slovak synod. <laughs> um, and while, um, you know, Pope Gregory the Great was obviously not um, Lutheran or Protestant. Um, there is much in their experience that can be illustrative for me today. Yeah. And what they, some of the insights they had about Christ in their day, okay. while some of them were too conditioned by their day and are problematic, yeah. some of them are truly Catholic, universal, <laughs> and we can rightly benefit. And so I think recapturing a sense of history would be a very Lutheran thing for us, for us to do.
2: I was gonna say I think uh, whether now whether this is Catholicity or history or both. I mean, when when you appreciate the that the breadth of the church throughout those centuries of history, you know every every place and time is going to have their bright spots as far as things that they really got well and things that they really did well iPhones and, yeah right yeah and then they're going to be some then they're going to be those places too every place has their blind spots also All the stuff we did on iPhones yeah yeah and you know so I think that's one of those things that as you look back through the church or as you look across the the different you know um the the through the Not just the the time, but the the space and different places (laughs) to be able to draw from some of those things and and to recognize, you know what, even though this person was, you know, from, you know, this country or this continent or, and living however many years ago, there's still good stuff here. But then even in some of the things that you miss or that they, that they missed, you find maybe an example of, oh, you can see what happens now if you get a little bit off the beam in this way or that way. And then
0: it helps it see helps us see it when we're guilty of it as yeah. well. Yeah.
1: Yep. And there's a there's a level of arrogance that only can come from modernity and specifically the United States that thinks that you can just completely cut off all of history mm-hmm. and and think <laughs> and that And it's a chauvinism to think that you have no blind spots and in our own in our own little circles I mean I've heard that right like it's as if the gospel was completely lost from you know St. Paul and then it was completely lost and then there was this little glimmer of hope in Luther and for two generations and then it was completely lost until it came to Milwaukee and I mean ordained ministers were like you can't quote Augustine
0: or Augustine even
1: Yeah, <laughs> neither of them or August dine yeah, yeah, what is that? I don't it's know. Still, I'll, I'll have to get my approved Florida pronunciation. It
2: Augustine.
0: But I'm they call it because it was the Spanish pronunciation. I, I'm going to. You're not speaking Spanish.
1: Listen, if if there's any intellectual information coming from the state of Florida, <laughs> oh, I see what you're doing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I do respect that. You know that it is the right. I respect thing that. To do, so. Okay, now I got gotcha. you. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: yeah, and uh, and and. Just I want to come back to and say again, I'm not minimizing the importance of holding to one's proper confession of the faith. Um, we ought not um, you know diminish the the fact that um, it's a wonderful blessing to be in a church body that confesses the faith as robustly as possible. Um, it's just to recognize. That the Christian faith is is such a great thing, and Christ is such a savior, um, that He's been busy elsewhere too, um, elsewhere earlier in time, elsewhere across um, a variety of different geographic or confessional boundaries. Okay. I, again, to say, now, authority, Jason, this is also not to say most of your reading shouldn't be grounded in the Bible, right? Yeah. When I'm talking about someone reading uh, uh, Bernard of Clairvaux, that's after they're done reading their Bible and the Book of Concord, and <clears throat> right things and you're
1: that re- and that, you're reading it with the historical context and with some criticism, right,
0: and that's that stand the test. Um, but often the people who are leery of reading those things in history are consuming all sorts of contemporary media, which has, by definition, not stood the test of time. And so um, what I am saying is maybe it's nice to step back sometimes and say, let's see what there is here. Um, And uh, whether this be as we talk about history, as we talk about church practice, um, as we talk about worship or hymnody, art, there's a huge one, Mm -hmm. right? Um, These wonderful expressions, um, visual and musical expressions um, that have happened. Uh, and this is also, too, I think sometimes people maybe, at least with maybe assume about me, well, Wade just hates any, like, quote unquote, contemporary Christian music. Um, no. Like, <clears throat> I think I've both of you have heard me say, I, my issue is not necessarily instrumentation. I hate bad content. And you know what else can have bad content? Music that you sing to the organ, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> there are some things, um, some music that has been written in the last thirty years that will stand the test of time. But there's other stuff that will rightly die, <laughs> just as there was stuff they were singing in the 16th century that we're not singing still now. Yep. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I don't want to diminish that. Nothing. I don't want to make it sound like. Nothing good could come from our t- time place or age now too, but
1: and to your point about like every time we talk about the boundaries, we should talk about twice as much the universality of the beauty of the church. Yeah. The flip side of that too is to say, um your little group, whatever it's going to be, dear listener you you are the church right there, and I think we would all agree that you know there you should fight for the tr- truth find yourself a gospel preacher th- those are primary things right you got to have the gospel but be a good churchman this idea like i'm just going to leave this church body you know cuz i'm ticked off about this one little thing or i i have found this one little point of doctrine that i think is um you know th- the bigger than what it really is right i want to be careful what i'm saying here is what i'm after is we do live in a post Denominational, and that's that. Just may be an historical thing, fine. But you're called to a you're called to a place. Be a good churchman. Mm Yeah. I mean, why if you're looking for the perfect church, you know, I'm sorry, or the perfect congregation, or whatever. I mean, I mean, there's got to be a good reason to leave. Either they're teaching something that's not true, or I would I would add this if if you're not getting the gospel. What's the point, right? Other than that, you know, I'd be a good churchman. I mean, this is the church, and it's ugly sometimes. And, you know, the kind of church
2: shopping thing is definitely of a specific generation. Yeah.
0: yeah. Jason, you look like you had a thought.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, in thinking about some of these things, and we kind of, you know, been talking about, well, there's this side and that side. And, you know, I mean, whether you're talking about, you know, history versus contemporary concern, whether you're talking about, um, you know, um the ecumenism versus parochialism, you know, these, you know, and I guess maybe the, as I was thinking about, you know, to what extent do you think a proper understanding of Catholicity being Catholic helps center you in the, in the middle? And I'm, and that's just something as I, as we're kind of, as we've kind of bounced and touched on a number of these, you know, that's just something that I started to, to think just about a little bit and say maybe that, that I have I, in my opinion, is like well, it would certainly seem to help. Now, I, I wouldn't say it's it's maybe a little bit of an oversimplification, to say that that's the only thing you need. Right. But it's and it's
0: just, not to accept everything, right? Because um, by very definition, catholicity is is tied to the truth. It's what's true yeah. everywhere for yep. everyone, and not true everywhere for everyone in the sense of that like, it's true because people acknowledge it. But because it's true, mm-hmm. this is the truth around, around which Ecclesia is, um, or into which Ecclesia is, is called and, and uh, drawn.
1: Uh, unity is not an obscure theme in the Bible, both the Old Testament and New Testament. It's on Jesus' lips. I think we'd all like that. And what are the, what are the enemies of unity? Well, falsity, first mm-hmm. of all. Um, but I would also think um, in arrogance, right, of the <coughs> modern period for sure, um, uh, going your own way, making up your own thing, a disrespect to the past, all of those things are as not a biggest threat as the devil and his lies are to unity, but they're still enemies to that. And for some people to do that in the name of what they are trying to accomplish, I don't know, I, I just think there needs to be a little bit of a reckoning um, and and I think I, I think the, as you said, happy a lot with the young generation, frustrated, right? As middle-aged men, right? Frustrated right. with <laughs> with our students at times and and our children. But uh, you, we could we're wise enough to see they're better at this than us, or their um, their culture that they are are growing up in is going to allow for certain opportunities that probably were not afforded us because we were brought up in a a certain time. And that's true of every generation, right? And I think the theology of the cross, um, Catholicity being the rootedness that you're... Those are going to be opportunities for the church to play on in the next next few decades, I think. And all of those things really do center around this word, Catholicity.
0: And, I mean, if you think of even, like, memes and GIFs and whatever else, or GIFs, um, I think a lot of the cultural trappings that we've had a real hard time with in our lifetimes, like extricating from, like, just by the nature of the changing situation, a lot of those are going to hopefully end up by the wayside, Mm -hmm. and there will be more and more hope for what is authentically Christian.
1: Uh, If you look at, like... uh we're always complaining about you know cell phones are making our kids dumb and they are, they are, mm-hmm. right, in, in a lot of different ways, right? You know more access to information, but you know it less. All those kinds of things. But if you look at like even network television shows, if if you happen to see one, <laughs> I don't <know> <laughs> watch those anymore. And then you watch like the 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 shows that you know let's say when we're in the '80s and '90s, they're a lot more sophisticated mm-hmm. now. Another, there were certain shows that were, that were, you know, could be heavy or could talk about these things. But just the level of jokes or the level of whatever, it, it is more sophisticated. I think, honestly, The Simpsons had a lot to do with that, but mm. that's a different story. <laughs> but, you know, they, they're more thoughtful mm-hmm. because they have to be. The problem is, or let me put it this way they are facing more thoughts and right. challenges than we are. Are they as thoughtful? Well, that's maybe to be determined <laughs> in, certain, in certain things. Um, but th- there's just a lot of opportunities there.
0: Jason, you got anything to close us out with?
2: No, I think uh said what I wanted to say.
0: All right. Well, with that, we went a while. The guys got Catholic. And uh, in the meanwhile, what do, you think, what do you think people should do, Jason?
2: I think they should let the bird fly.
1: Every evening, when the sun goes down, I get my body and I begin to cry. I don't care what the people are thinking I'm not drunk, I'm just a gang. I set him up another round I set him up another round I set him up another round what? One more round, won't get me down I don't care what the people are thinking.